All right, let's dive in here in Psalm 24, verse 10. It says, if you, say that's me, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Leave that verse up if you would, and let's read it together. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And so we've learned from previous weeks that the adversity, the problem, the pressure, that's really not the issue. The issue is strength. That you have the strength for whatever the adversity would be. That you're literally stronger on the inside than the pressure and the problem that's on the outside. And that is absolutely huge. And we've spent a number of weeks on that. I want to continue on today and, and talk about something that's figurative, symbolic of tough times and problems. And that would be the storms. Storms. How many of you know that storms come? But storms also they also go and they don't last forever. And sometimes, uh, some people, I think they're storm chasers. <laughs> Y'all seen that show on TV? Yes. They just, we want to get video of this. And I'm like, go home, <laughs> head for the Hills, you know, but there, some people, I think just looking for storms in their life. And then I think some people travel with storms too, you know, and they're wondering why is a storm never stopping? Cause you need to just park it somewhere, you know, not travel along with the thing. God has never tried to hide the fact, uh, that there will be storms in life. He speaks very directly and, and, uh, it's an analogy in scripture and he gives us remedy for it. I'm, I'm very thankful. We're about to finish the official hurricane season, you know, for us and for us. And I'm grateful because I pray about this and I am grateful about this, that hurricane season for us this year has pretty much been a non-event and I'm grateful for that. You grateful for that? Amen. Now we're not really talking about those storms though. Uh, we're talking figuratively, symbolically, the problems that would come into our life. And how many of you know that sometimes we don't have a lot of warning, you know, sometimes just out of the blue, you know, a storm hits our life. And so we want to find out what do we, what do we do about this? And I want to give you four things this morning, uh, that will help us with storms. And the first one is this rebuke. Everybody say rebuke. You probably didn't use that word this week. Uh, Rebuke, we do find in scripture, we find it a, a couple times, and essentially it means this, and it is still in our language. It is a firm, deliberate, focused command. You know, sometimes a little dog comes your way, stray dog, and you can just go, get, get. But if that dog looks like he's half crazed, he's slobbering, missing an ear, you know, coming at you. You don't just go, get puppy, you rebuke them, get, you try to, you try to match back at them, you know, and rebuke. And really for us, you need to understand this. We do have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We have a spiritual enemy and we have authority in Jesus name. 
Now, that does not mean that you have goosebumps, that you are something, whatever. No, we've been given the badge, so to speak. We have authority to use the name of Jesus. I recommend you use the name of Jesus against depression that tries to get on you, fear that tries to attach to you, fever that tries to, you know, hinder your children or you, whatever it would be, start using the authority that is in Jesus' name. You don't, there's not a certain volume level you have to reach. You don't have to put on camo fatigues, you know, you, you, you don't have to go through all that stuff. It's not in all that stuff. It's in the name of Jesus. And he said, all power is given into me and I give it to you in my name, he said. And so take the authority that is in Jesus name. And perhaps the storm that's coming at you is spiritually motivated and it's coming at you from the enemy of your soul, stand up against that. And then the authority of Jesus name, command that thing, stop it. Stop in the name of Jesus. We find Jesus on a boat in the sea of Galilee with his disciples and a storm came up, a bad storm. So much so that the waves are just crashing into the boat, filling the boat. And where was Jesus? He was sleeping. He was sleeping. And, um, They came and woke him and said, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? We're about to drown. And he got up, and it's not in the scripture, but I think it should be. I think he gave him a funny look. It's kind of like. (laughs) And that was the first daylight savings time. (laughs) No, it's not. Um, And he got up, and this this is important that you note the difference here. He rebuked the storm. But then he spoke to the waves, peace be still, and there was a great calm. He went to the source and he rebuked it firmly in faith. This is the command of faith. And he told it, stop. And then he spoke to the waves, all the symptoms, all the, the response from that storm. The secondary things, he said, peace be still, peace be still. And there's a great calm. And that's what we want. So we want this calm in our life. Another thing we can do when we have a storm is to repent, repent. Everybody say repent. You probably didn't use that word this week either. Repent is a turning around. It's a change of directions, a change of mind and heart. It's to stop it and to turn around and start heading back this way. What does this have to do with storms? Would you be honest this morning and admit that perhaps some of the storms in your life were self-induced? Okay. We've all had storms that we cranked up. You know, we seeded the clouds for our own storm sometimes. We turned on the massive fan in our life sometimes. And what you have to do is repent. You have to realize going in this direction, making these decisions is not good. And I need to turn around. I need to repent. Jonah did that. Jonah, uh, running from God, got on a boat. They're crossing and, and a horrific storm comes up and the rest of the guys on the boat, they don't know Jonah. He's just kind of hanging out with a little, he's got a little gator's hat on. He's just kind of off to the side, which they won yesterday. Congratulations. But, um, but he's, he's just kind of incognito and they're talking. They said, somebody on this boat, God is mad at. And they recognized something about it. And finally said, it's me guys. So they took him, threw him overboard. Storm stops. Shamu swallows him. (laughs) True story. No, it's not. Uh, But a whale, he's swallowed by a whale, a large fish. And in there, he repents to God. And his repentance and and his praise to God 
sickened Shamu and he spit up on the shore. But I'm telling you what, repentance will change a lot of things and can stop the storm. Another thing you might have to do with a storm. Y'all still out there? Another thing you might have to do with a storm is just ride it out. Just ride it out. Don't you wish that you could just snap your fingers and do the little, you know, I dream a genie thing and, and uh, you know, it's all over with. But the reality is a lot of our storms last for a little while. I said they last for a little while. And the Apostle Paul is a prisoner of Rome. He's on his way to Rome and he's on a boat and a storm comes up. And an angel of the Lord stood by Paul and said, tell everybody, stay on the boat and you will make it. And we read in Acts that they actually didn't eat for two weeks during the storm. So they were either seasick, worried or something. And for at least two weeks and and some commentary suggests this storm went perhaps three and a half weeks that they're in this storm. They had this strong headwind to start with and just they're hindered for a long time. And some of them said, we're going to bail. We're going to, we're going to cut these boats loose and we're going to, we're going to get off. And Paul said, no, what the Lord said is stay on the boat, stay on the boat and we'll land on the shore. And sometimes you just got to ride it out. So let me tell you something here. Avoid all that you can escape everything you can. And endure what you have to. Endure what you have to. I was talking with somebody earlier. A lot of people, I, I, I'm just going to quit. What are you going to quit to? You can get off the boat and do what? You know, you, this isn't holding up for you. What, what are you going to do? You're going you're to quit to what? Some things you just got to ride it out. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. And temptation there includes trials. You endure Guess what? You don't endure alone. God will give you grace. God will be with you. You will. Look at me. Listen to me. You will make it through the storm if you'll just stay tight, stay close with God. He'll get you through. I said he'll get you through. Now, number four, we'll come back to in in just a little bit here. Um, Let's talk about your future just a little bit. When, When does your future start? Front row's got it, and they've been here previous services too. Uh, when does your future start? Now. So what I'm going to share with you has to do with your future, and I recommend that you grab it and start to apply it in the now. Let's, let's read in the Gospels here. Jesus refers to another storm. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person, and he's given us a picture here, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Uh, Though the rain comes in torrents, here's the storm, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Everybody say it won't collapse. It won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds on a house on sand, when the rains and flood come and the winds beat against that house storm, it will collapse. It will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, let's look at a couple of things here. Jesus points out, and let's go ahead and get this in our thinking here. He points out two kinds of people here. You've got the wise 
And help me on the other one. The foolish. The wise and the foolish. Now, understand this, and let me give this disclaimer right here. I didn't make this stuff up. I didn't write this. I'm a messenger. I'm delivering a message. And this is from God's word, and we need to pay close attention to this. The passage I just read to you out of Matthew chapter 7 is from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus uh, did a lot of remarkable teaching. Matter of fact, we'll probably come back at some point and just go through the Sermon on the Mount because it's incredible. And he does a lot of contrast in there. Um, The Bible is full of contrast. That helps us to see things. It helps us to understand some things. The Proverbs that you should be reading. Read a proverb a day. Read a proverb a day. It only takes an hour and 45 minutes every morning. No, it takes minutes to read a proverb every day. There's one for every day, every month. Today's the sixth. You should probably read Proverbs six. And then tomorrow's going to be the seventh. And so you should probably read Proverbs seven. Y'all got the pattern? Okay. And then just go with that. Okay. But even in the Proverbs, you have contrast between the wise and the foolish the righteous and the, and the wicked, you have all these contrasts and it helps us to see. And so that was what Jesus wanted to happen. He wants you to see the truth. That's why he, he could have just said, do what I say. But no, he goes into this story here that if you hear what I say and then do it, it's like this. And he shows you the picture. And if you don't do it, it's like, it's like this. And one guy I'll call wise and the other guy I'll call foolish. Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's got these contrasts and divisions going. And as he goes along, um, he's got a particularly powerful portion here about verse 13 and 14, where he says that there's a, a gate and it's a wide gate. And that gate leads out onto this path that is a, just a super highway, wide, big path. And he said, and a whole lot of people travel on that. And he said, then there's another gate, and it's this narrow gate. It's actually, in the Greek, it's, it's a, a constricted gate. Let me go ahead and call it what it is. It's straight and narrow. It's straight and narrow. And compared to the other group, there's a few that find it. That's not saying that it's just a few, but it's a few in comparison to those that went through the other gate. And the other gate, this broad gate, this broad way, that's the larger group. And that's what you need to know. And the path that that goes, that path leads to destruction. If that were an actual road that we could see, there would be signs advertising destruction. There'd be mile markers, seven miles till destruction. And if you're on that road, I'd be looking for an exit. And if there's no exit, I'd be, I'd be doing a Yui in the median. Well, the medians build up. Abandon your car, climb over, and hitchhike back the other way. Are you, are you hearing me? And it's headed to destruction. And then you've got this other, other path. It's narrow, but it leads to life. Are you hearing me? That's where I want to go. Oh, but it's narrow. It's straight. There's fewer in that. I'd rather be with all my friends. Listen, I don't want to accompany my friends to destruction. And I want to tell you one of the reasons why a lot of people 
or with a larger group on the road that's headed to destruction is because they just, they just go along with the group. How many of you have ever gone along with the group before? And you get in trouble. Yeah, what? We're all going this way? Okay. Huh? We got to wear this too? And we just do whatever the group does. Don't look at me that way. You know, it's true. Just whatever the group does, we just kind of just go along with the group. And I'm telling you what, it's not going to serve you well. Now or then it won't serve you well. And what you have to do, and this is what we try to do every time we come together, is to help you to see what counts, to get you in the light, to see what counts, so you can think for yourself, so you can believe for yourself, and so you don't just get caught up in group think and just go along with all the other minnows that are about to get swallowed up. Are you hearing me? And so what we have to do, and Jesus, then he has this larger group, larger path, Headed toward destruction, smaller path, smaller group, but it leads to life. And then he comes along and he further divides the smaller group, it seems to me. And he begins to break that down into the wise and the foolish. And let's, and let's look at this just a little bit further. The wise are those who know what to do and they do it. And the foolish are those who know what to do. And they do otherwise. They do something else. How many of you have ever done something foolish? Okay. And it's like, well, I know what to do, but I think I'm going to do this. I have a question for you. How'd that work out for you? (laughs) And so the wise know what to do and they do it. The foolish, they know what to do, but they do something else. They find, they find another option. We've learned this years ago. There's two ways to do anything. God's way and any other way. And we need to make sure that we're wise concerning this. Jesus further divides the smaller group into the wise and the foolish. Now, in life, storms come, storms go. They don't last forever. And here's, here's the thing I want to number four here. Look at this. If you're going to rebuke a storm, then you're in the storm. If you're going to repent, it's because you've done something past and, or maybe even currently, and you're in the storm, present. And if you're going to ride it out, you're in it. And while these are awesome and while these work, there's something better. There's something better. And it is this. It is to prepare Prepare. If you're ready ahead of time, you're going to do way better. It's when a storm comes and you're not prepared that the results can be devastating. Are y'all here? The storm comes and you're not prepared, it can be devastating. There are nations, Haiti, Honduras, who poor nations don't have the infrastructure that they need. Not prepared. Sometimes not heeding warnings. Storm comes and they're still literally digging out from storms in in places before. You've had things happen in your life, either figurative or for real. You know that storm came and you were better off because you were prepared for it. Y'all? You're better off because you're prepared for it. 
2004, we had a bunch of hurricanes. You remember that? And first one came, we were a little prepared. I had a little sorry generator. Thankful for it at the time, uh, but couldn't wait to upgrade. I had that. We ran to the store and I got some water and some spam. Hey, I'll eat spam on a good day. You don't need a storm for that. Spam. Spare parts and meat. That's what that is. It's just good stewardship. That's all. And a roll of masking tape, which I've since found does no good. Storm's coming. Got my little generator going. And then put my tape up. Family, we're all good. Fire up the spam. Storm came much bigger than we thought it was. Knocked out our power. And I'm awake for days feeding that generator, keeping it going. And uh, going on and on with that because the power was out for a while. Well, in between that storm and the next storm, guess what I got? Prepared. I got prepared. I got a big old generator. I don't have to do anything. 17 seconds after power goes off, boom, it goes on. So much so it deceived my children. They think a hurricane is a cozy vacation. I boarded up the windows. They're watching old Disney movies, air conditioning's running, everything. You know, because we were what? We were prepared. And preparation makes a huge difference. I would rather be prepared than have to do these things. Thank God you can do these things, but it's best to be prepared. And we're talking about a foundation for your future and your future begins now. We've got to work on this so that we can indeed be prepared. Can I get an amen or something? Now, the first guy, the, the rains came, the floods grew, the winds blew, beat against that house. And here's the significant thing. Jesus draws that picture, so to speak, of this house and the storm. And he says, this house did not fall. That's where you want to live. It did not fall. Why? Because it was built upon rock. It was built upon rock. And that whole analogy was this. He said, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them is a wise man. And then Jesus, just think out loud with me. And Jesus said, he's a wise man. Like, it's like if a guy was building a house and he built the house on rock, then when the storm comes, his house is not going to fall because he built it on rock. Come back on this side of it again, which means that's like a person who hears these sayings of mine and does them and does them. Luke's account of this says that he dug deep and that house could not be shook. And then he talks about the other guy. And if you read the description in scripture, it sounds like the same storm. I'm wondering if they didn't live close to the same neighborhood. Matter of fact, let me suggest to you, they went to the same church. Because they heard the same thing. Is it possible the two people could hear the same things and we handle it differently? Is it possible at Meadowbrook that there might be, not an 11 o'clock service, probably Saturday night crew or nine o'clock or whatever that we would hear and not do. And we got to pay attention to this. He said, that person is foolish. They're foolish because they did what their house was built on sand and the storm came and the house fell and great was the fall of it. He said, 
That's because they heard the word, but they didn't do the word. And he says, and that is foolish. Now, let me just bring it down to real life here for you. I don't know about you. I know about me. I did not get away with hearing what my mom said to do and then not doing it. Let me make sure you got that. When my mom said something and I heard it and I didn't do it, I didn't get away with it. And if you did, you're a spoiled brat. (laughs) My mom would say, clean up this room. I had other stuff to do. Don't you understand when you're a little boy? I got a lot of stuff to do, so I wouldn't do it. Saturday morning, she'd come in and they, they teach you this at mom school. She came in and said, this room looks like a cyclone has hit it. How many of you have ever heard that before? And then she would take all the stuff that wasn't in place, put it in the middle of the room, light it on fire. No, no. (laughs) Put it there and she says, either you put this away or I throw it away. Okay. What are you going to do? Put it away. I remember one time. I'm thankful I can even remember after this event. In our backyard, uh, bordering our backyard and the neighbor's backyard was this huge hedge. It was really high. It was really wide. And then it turned and it went across the back of our yard, bordering between us and neighbors in the back. And my buddies and I, Mark and Eric and David, we had, you know, stole things from our dads to clip out and clear a tunnel so we had tunnels through all these hedges and we played there quite a bit we had stuff hidden that was our headquarters uh miss gibson that lived behind us had plum trees and we'd have operation plum looks all clear go for it you know and and that was our hub of operation right there so this one day my mom goes timmy time to eat come wash up well we're busy so I look at my buddies they look at me we keep playing she calls the second time the third time the fourth time the fifth time it's getting more and more intense in her voice too the sixth time I look at my buddies and they're like I said all right so I head toward the house and my mom standing outside like this Which is body language for you're about to die. (laughs) So I thought I got to come up with something. So I walk up to her and I go, I didn't hear you the first six times. (laughs) Now you're laughing at my expense, but here's, here's the point. Listen, you and I didn't get away with hearing what our mom said to do. And then doing something else. And you and I, listen to me, it's just not going to work for you. It's just not going to work for you to hear these sayings of Jesus. And then I'm going to go off and do something else. I'm going to do it another way. Listen to me. You cannot act. You cannot act like the teachings of Jesus don't really matter. Because they do matter. These are not optional. 
Oh, yeah, there is option in the sense that you can do what you want. You could be wise or you could be foolish. You can hear these things and do them or you can hear these things and go do something else. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to be on the path that leads to life, if you want to be able to be prepared so that you can handle the storms of life, because I'm not a doom and gloomer, but there will be storms in your life. And it depends on, are you prepared? And the preparation is, you hear these sayings of his and you do them. You don't for a moment think that I can act like the teachings of Jesus don't really matter. Listen, our culture, uh, let, me, let me back up on this. These are not just helpful hints. These are not just tips. This is the living word of God and what he says to do, do it. And what he says, don't do. The reason he says, don't do that is because he knows what gives you life. He knows what takes life away. And you're going to have to hear and do. You're going to have to hear and do if you want to be wise. If you want your house, your life to be built on rock. If you want to make it through storms, you're going to have to be prepared. And that's how you be prepared. Our culture, our society, our media is trying to marginalize the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of the Bible. They're trying to minimize this, make it insignificant. It don't really matter. That's not really true. That's just kind of this. That's an old moral code. This is so outdated. That's so narrow-minded. And listen to me. That's the oldest lie around. Is that familiar to you? It happened in the Garden of Eden where that snake slithered up to Eve and said, do this. And Eve said, no, no. And she was still trying at that point. She's still in the path of life at that point. And she said, no, because God said this. And here's what the snake said. He said, he didn't really mean that. That won't really matter. Hey, it'd be better if you just do this. And you know what? That's an old, old lie. And, And you know what? It's still being told. You're still being told by culture. You're still being told by the media. This doesn't matter. You don't really have to do this. There's some great ideas in there, but you don't have to do this. Look at me and listen to me. And unless you just want to go on that broad highway, the path that leads to destruction. Can I just, and I didn't write this. I didn't make this up. I'm passing it on to you. You can be foolish with everybody if you want to, or you can decide, you know what? I'm going to get myself in the light, get from the light, find out what do I do about this situation? Jesus, what did you say about this situation? Find out what he said. That's part of what we do at church is to help you know what he said about this. Find out what he said and then just make up your mind. God, with your help, I'm going to do what I hear. I'm going to do what you show me to do. And that makes you a wise person. That makes your your life, your house built for the storm. I have a good friend, Barry uh, Mitchell. I almost said Barry Manilow. (laughs) You know I can't. No, that's something else. Um, Barry Mitchell, Barry and Brenda, they live in Tallinn, Estonia. It's a former Soviet Baltic state. Way up the Gulf of Finland, Baltic Sea, almost Arctic Circle. They've been over there for years now. They're, They're... Born in America, and they live over there. Good friends. I've been over there a couple times with him. He's a pastor, uh, missionary, runs a Bible school. Some of my favorite people on the planet. And for years, they lived in this tiny little apartment. It was a stone's throw from the Gulf of Finland. I mean, it was just that that close to it. And uh, as time went on, several things worked on their behalf, and they saved money, and they built a house. And they're building this house in... Tallinn, Estonia. And again, weather is way different than it is here. And again, they're right on the sea. And he went out one day to look at the progress. 
And the walls were coming up and the contractor was using these huge blocks. And in between, there'd be a huge block. These were his walls. Huge block, six inches of insulation, another huge block. And he asked the contractor, he said, uh, isn't this like a little overkill and added expense? And his Estonian contractor, Russian, said, you Americans, this is built to last. And I want to tell you something. If I was over there and a storm came up, this little piggy <laughs> is going to go stay with that little piggy. Why? Because that thing is built. That thing is built. You know what? Your life can be built that way. I, I want to I let you know something that if you will hear the sayings of Jesus, he wrote this. He said this. I'm just telling you about it today. If you'll hear these sayings of mine and do them, you're like a wise person who builds your house upon rock and the rains come and beat against that house and the floodwaters rise and the winds blow and beat against that house. And as Luke says, and it's not shaken and it doesn't fall. And that's where you and I need to be. And that's what he has offered to us because there will be storms in life. I didn't say there wouldn't be storms. And I didn't say there wouldn't be some things that are going to happen in our life. But you know what? We can rebuke it. We can repent. We can write it out. But the best thing to do is to be prepared. These are the foundations for your future. And your future begins now. Never again act like the sayings of Jesus do not matter because they do matter. This is life and death. This is wisdom or foolishness. This will make all the difference in the storms of our life. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.